I'm Gab. He's Jules. We back, baby. Woo-hoo! Just like Slim Shady. There's blue skies over West London. But you know what? Blue skies still over the England women's team. Congratulations to them. They're the new champions of Europe. Yes. We'll be getting into that. We'll be getting into Bayern, putting five past Leipzig. Who says Mane can't play center forward? Uh, so much going on. we got to catch up on a lot, Jules. Yeah, I'm not going to ask how your summer was because that's not <laughs> why people come to the show. For the men's, they come here for the football. So let's get right into it. And at the top, there's one place to start. we got to talk about Liverpool and Manchester City in the Community Shield. at we- No, not at Wembley. At the King Power Stadium in Leicester, as per tradition. Yeah. First thought. This was a real game. I, I was really surprised by the intensity, by the fact that, by and large, we had the first 11s. You know, Gennaro Nunez, obviously the Liverpool goalkeeper situation. Mm-hmm. But they went on it, and it felt like a real game, and it felt good. Yeah, it felt really good. It felt like a high-level, high-intensity, high-a-lot-of-things game. Some of the, the star players, if you want, like Mo Salah, already clearly on top form and, and doing really well. Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. Other players like Joel Cancelo... Not so much, maybe, but I don't think it's a surprise. I think, especially in the last three years, City have been a bit slower to start the season. We saw last year they lost the Community Shield and then they lost at Spurs, for example, the first game of the season. So I don't think there's a surprise there. I think maybe it's the way they prepare. They don't play many friendly matches, for example, unlike other teams, like Liverpool, who play a lot. Maybe that's part of the reason why they, don't, they didn't look maybe as sharp as Liverpool. But I thought it was a great game with, with a lot, I think, to, to take away from. Basic headline, easy knee-jerk takeaway is, oh, in the battle of the new strikers, Darwin Nunez comes on, scores a goal, uh, gets the header that leads to the the penalty. Mm -hmm. Erling Haaland does not. Now, I've got a column coming out on this. I am Team Haaland on this one. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with his performance. Of course you are. Everybody should be. Really? No? Okay, no, hey. okay, he missed chances. He would miss more chances through the season. And so is Darwin Nunez. And so is Mo Salah. And Kylian Mbappe. And Robert Lewandowski. Everybody misses chances. Yeah, of course, the, the last one is the big one because I think he rushes it a bit and he goes over the bar and stuff like that. But before that, the movement was good. Yes, he had, he had three shots in this game. Okay, so the last one you mentioned, obviously, he's yeah, right that's there. The, big one. the game is lost than... already. But, yeah. Okay, fine. Um, the other ones are two that came back to back. The first one, I would focus more on the positive, the way he absolutely road grades Robinson. Andy Robertson. Yeah, yeah. You know, to be fair to Robertson, he does his best to push him off, but to, to try to put him off. But, I mean, the guy's got 50 pounds and 8 inches on him, so just about. Um, but he still gets a shot off. Yeah. The chance after that is the one where you wonder, yeah. and you watch it again, and I'm sitting here, Captain Hindsight, and I say, dude, right, side foot, and you've scored, right? The ball's coming from the left, yeah. right? Or you could even head it. We yeah, know there's the issue of him and his heading, but whatever. Yeah. But then I thought, he takes a left foot and he screws a shot, but then I thought, you know what? The man's two-footed. Let him finish any which way he wants, right? Yeah, he's more left-footed than right-footed, though. But I think he goes for the hard... But he's so confident and so good, he goes for the hardest one. Like, like, like Messi would do or Cristiano. He's, I think he's that kind of player anyway. So I, I saw him and I said, okay, he should have done it right foot inside of his right foot. And then I thought, but he's so, he feels so good that he goes with the hardest of the three options, header, right foot or left foot, because really the outside of his left foot was the hardest one. But because he's got, he's got that confidence and that kind of level. So I, don't, I, I, I think he missed it. But I don't, think, I don't think, again, he should be too blamed for that one. 
I had a bit more issues with because me and my boys counted every touch they had and he only had three touches in the first half hour, which I thought was not much. But again, they were under pressure and Liverpool were the better team for the first 20 minutes easily. So you can understand why. There's a few moments where there's one after 10 minutes where he has to play De Bruyne on the right-hand side and instead he goes ahead of him because I don't think he's looked and he's scanned before enough. There's one where De Bruyne should have, the through ball should have been better. But this would come with time. I don't think there's anything to worry about about Erling Haaland's performance in that game. I actually agree with you 100%. I was going to, I'm impressed with how granular this is the high level of analysis where, <laughs> where Jules deputizes his boys to go and like track Counts every moment. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Important stuff. Um, you know, I, I like to focus on uh, Holland's known for his movement. I, I'd go so far to say that is one of his greatest skills. Mm. And when you see him out of sync, and there were moments when he was out of sync, you mentioned the one where De Bruyne maybe could have given him the ball yeah. earlier, or maybe he should have yeah. known what De Bruyne was going to do. Uh, the other thing, we saw there were a couple of situations where, they're, where they cut it back, mm. which they always, it's, it's bread and butter for Guardiola teams, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But obviously he's attacking a space. This is muscle memory. These things, I think, will come. And this is why, for me, people say, oh, the pressure that's on Holland and I, don't, I think this is a low-pressure situation. I think this is a situation where he signed on for five years. He's working with Pep. City have won four Premier League titles in the last five seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course, expectations are high, but it's not on him. Nobody's expecting him to walk in. We saw it last year with Grealish as well. It's just the nature of the club. Grealish, yeah, yeah. the most expensive player in Premier League history at the time, or maybe Lukaku was one, but whatever. Grealish didn't have a great season. Nobody's freaking out over it. So... Mm. I think this is a good situation for him to grow. I don't think he feels the pressure. I think he's got the right environment. I think if you're a City fan, you can be bullish about it. He could go another two or three games without scoring, and this everything's going to be fine. He's yeah. outperformed XG every single season for his career, not by a little, but by a lot. Um, so I think, but those people who think they're being club and they say, oh, look, the last time he had a giant Nordic striker, everything fell apart. So, and they're talking about Ibra Barcelona. <laughs> Everything fell apart to the degree that Barcelona only won La Liga that season, which yeah. is 2009-10, and they came within a goal of reaching another Champions League final True. in the year of the Volcano Ash and Marina yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. So, by the way, it wasn't quite the unmitigated disaster. But he also operated with a real center forward like Robert Lewandowski yeah. and did pretty well at Bayern, I think. Yeah. Aguero, slightly different profile of player, but also very much a central striker. So... This is nonsense, right? Yeah, I think so. I did wonder, to be fair, before the game, if Pep would start Haaland. I, I did wonder if maybe he would just start with the first number, let's say Bernardo Silva, and then Grealish and Mares, for example, or something like that. And then easy mean in the game for the last half hour, maybe when Van Dijk and Matip are a bit more tired or something like that. I did wonder. I was not sure he would start 100%, for example. And same for Darwin. I, you know, I was like, okay, maybe Klopp will start him, maybe he won't. I, I assume Klopp wanted to play the guys who kind of got him there and stuff. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, that, right? fair enough. And maybe you, maybe you start more Haaland than you start more Darwin also with the options that you have. I, I don't know, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's too much to worry. Uh, I think Alfie Haaland scored his first goal for City against West Ham, which is the first team that Erling will play against in the Premier League or something like that. So there might be destiny around the corner anyway as early as this weekend coming. But I don't think there's much to worry. He looks frustrated, which is good, because clearly he was not happy with his own performance and with himself. So, you know, there's still plenty of time. And again, it's a slow start for, 
for City as as usual. Look at Cancelo, look at KDB to a certain extent. You know, they were not as sharp as Liverpool, so I don't think there's much to worry. Yeah, I thought Bernardo Silva also struggled uh, a little bit relative mm. to to the standard that he set at times last season. Um, Cancelo is not an issue. There's a, in quick hits later. We'll be talking about Marco Correa. Uh, and whether, you know, yeah. this is a must sign or what. I do have an issue with the number seven, though. He just doesn't look right, Gab. He doesn't look like... I know he's, he's sometimes more as, a, as a, a creator and an attacking player than a left back or right back. But seeing him with that number seven, I don't know, it was a bit weird. I was like, oh, no, I'm not sure I like that. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, and I'll digress a little. I, I did a column earlier this summer. Um, there's a company called Soccer Mint which they did this big... They kind of said, like, let's rethink football, let's rethink traditional positions, not by where people play, but by what they actually do on the pitch. And they kind of created 14 roles on the pitch. And some of them have silly-sounding names, like one-to-one explorer and box-to-box raiders. And using analytics, they, they, they put people in each kind of bucket. And Joe Cancelo... He's among the highest rater, rated in the wide creator bucket, mm-hmm. but also in the central creator bucket, which is, which is why maybe the number seven shirt is appropriate for him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's I, just, I, I don't, don't know. know. He looked a bit strange, but that's how I get used to it. It may also be like, you know, you're up against Mosa yeah, and Luis Diaz. Like like, you know, it's not sure. going to be like that every week. So you're, you're okay there with, I mean, th- th- that's not a concern. What about, I thought Ruben Diaz also, I mean, not just the penalty, but I thought it was pretty rocky for him. Yeah, and Ake, I think if you play next to Nathan Ake, again, no offense, he's a good player, but he's not to the level of a Ruben Diaz or even Laporte. I don't know what's going on with Stones. Since that fantastic season that he had, he'd been clearly number, well, this is number four's choice. When you think of Diaz, Laporte, then Ake, I know Ake is left-footed and Stones is right-footed, but Stones or Diaz can easily play on the left-hand side of the two centre-backs. I don't know what's wrong with with Stones, but yeah, I didn't think that defensively City were that good, uh, apart from maybe Walker. I, but I did also think that the narrative was like, oh, Liverpool were a much better team. I don't think there was much between the two teams because once Liverpool started so well the first 20 minutes, then City had some really good chances. De Bruyne should have, watching the game again last night before the show today, that, that chance De Bruyne had in the first half, it's a huge chance. Like, side netting. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge chance, really high chance. Um, so they had plenty of really strong chances to score that goal. And the first half, they had a bit higher expected goals than Liverpool. And that second half, they had really good spell in that second half too. So I don't think there was much between the two teams. Certainly not a 3-1 defeat for City. No, I think what drove home the point to me, and again, I haven't seen Spurs yet. But right now, there is still an absolute mass. There's an abyss between Liverpool yeah. and City and the rest of the Premier League. Um, so before we get to Liverpool, a word on Julian Alvarez. Oh, I love him. Yeah, I love him. And I expected him to play wide anyway. Him and Haaland play together. I think he gives Pep the other option. And he took his goal well. Not really sure what Trent is doing on the goal because... He obviously there's a doubt on Foden's position and if he's offside or not. And then Foden hits the volley, and then there's the save by Adrian, and then Alvarez on the second phase yeah. scores it. But Trent, if you look at it again, Trent looks at the linesman when the ball is still in play behind him, pretty much. So then he turns and sees Alvarez reacting, and then he goes, I'm not sure if Trent can do better. I thought that, that I like Alvarez actually might have been a foul on, a foul on the keeper, a foul on Ederson. Yeah, because maybe, it looked yeah. like he might have had both hands on the ball. But I mean, 
Marginal community shield, nobody cares. So, <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah. Um, let's take Darwin Nunez to one side. He started Firmino, which I think makes sense. Firmino's mm. contract is expiring. He said he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's been linked. I think it makes sense to keep him around because he's very different from the other strikers. If he's happy to stay, Definitely. if he shows his fitness, he gets more years. It's kind of like the, the Milner principle, if yeah, you will, yeah, yeah. except that he's younger. Um, I thought they... I, I, I was just shocked by how fit and how sharp Mo Salah is at this stage. Yeah. And I'm not a fitness coach, as you can tell, but I do talk to fitness coaches. And a lot of times, you know, different players get fit at different situations, yeah. different moments in the season. You can't maintain that level the whole, the whole year round. Mm. Um, I mean, weird as it seems, like, should we take it? Should there be any concern that he's going at this level this early? So this is my theory, and it might be completely wrong, I don't know. When Liverpool and Klopp and his fitness coach and technical staff prepare the preseason, right? They go individually, okay, this is Trent's program. By the way, I thought Trent looked yes. best. I was like, whoa, 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 he clearly worked in the, in the preseason. Um, so they go individually. With Mo Salah, there's no World Cup. So maybe the, the heavy precision and heavy fitness work that you can give him now is okay. Because if he picks now or between now and beginning of November, for example, it's okay. He'll have a month rest. Yeah. Whereas and, he can, and he can top up. Exactly. He during can top that month up. That, 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 that's a really good idea. I, I, I mean? that. Whereas someone who's going to go to the World Cup and let's say, let's say like a Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example, he's going to play every game with, with, with England at the World yeah. Cup and they go to the semi-final to the final or they win and blah, blah, blah. This is such an extra load of work and fitness and everything that if you give him the same preparation and precision fitness work as Mo Salah, it might explode by beginning of November or through the World Cup. So you, you clearly, maybe you can, you can put much more load on what Salah has been doing in preseason and, and now in the start of the season than someone who's going to go to the World Cup. And that's the luxury that I think all the clubs who know who's going to go to the World Cup and who isn't will have in terms of fitness work and preparation for those players, especially the likes of Salah, of like, okay, it's okay, we can push, 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 push now because he will have that month off mid-November to mid-December. For Trent, if you push too early and too much, yeah. then you risk losing him to injuries at some point. It's not just the injury aspect. I think it's just purely the, it's, it's purely the fitness thing. Yeah, yeah, right? oh, fitness thing. We, we yeah, hear yeah, about this. Deep. Yeah. You, you, you are going to have a dip. Well, yeah. You, he can go all out. He can go balls to the wall, Completely. as uh, uh, the, the scientists say, and then take two weeks of total relaxation exactly. in the first part of the World Cup, and then come back, exactly. and then and then go and jack it up again mini and really carry them. Yeah, exactly. Completely. Um, not even that many, actually, given how the World Cup's going to last. So um, beyond that, I thought I thought Liverpool looked good when Nunez came on. I was really. So some of the concern we mentioned expected goals before. Nunez is somebody who said has also way outperformed his expected goals. Yeah, in the one season. In, for one, for that yeah. one season, he scored a ton of goals. So some people are like, yeah. But then I look at it and I said, if this guy never scores, he still contributes so much. Mm. Um, I thought his movement, I thought off the ball, I thought he was unselfish as a physical presence and so yeah. on. Yeah. You know, people are going to say, oh, who's going to replace Mane's goals? Well, obviously, Salah and somebody else, but you've got Jota. You've got different people who can chip in. But, like, I almost feel like he doesn't need to 
be a ma- massive goal scorer for Liverpool to be an important part of that of that front three. I think I think he can offer you other things. And by the way, scoring on his debut, um, like Van Dijk, Salah, and Mane, and the club is pretty you know it's pretty good. I think. Um, and but it's all the runs, it's the pressing and the counter pressing, the physicality as well. So even if he doesn't score, he will contribute by, I don't know taking two defenders out of Musala's way, for example, or coming in and helping Luis Diaz on the left-hand side or making room for a run from one of the midfielders, not that they run too much towards the box anyway, but, you know, that kind of stuff, I think he will help you with that. I have to say, I was surprised how sharp he was, how in the rhythm he was, how in the, in the, the, the whole thing, he looks so simple, he looks like if he played with them for, for much longer than he actually has, and... I didn't take too much negative from his friendly matches and some of the touches that he had. And I think, again, when you work out, Klopp was right at the end of the game when he said, you know, you look and you don't think how tired the player can be. And if he misses one touch, one control or two control, you know, it doesn't become a bad player. But I have to say, I was so impressed by the half hour that he had in that game. All right. I'm going to set a little task for each of us. And I've already thought of mine. So you can, you can think about it okay. when I give my answer. No team is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's identify, I'll identify a weakness for Liverpool this season, and you identify a weakness for City. I'm going to go first, yeah. and I'm not going to be imaginative on this. No. To me, the potential weakness, the, the, the thing that could undo them this season, like last season, is the middle of the park. Yeah. Um, I think I'm stating the obvious here. I don't know how many minutes, how many games Thiago Alcantara can give you based on, based on his track record, based on the past. He's going to have a World Cup and whatever. I'm not sure, and obviously Jordan Henderson is now another a year older. I know you're not the biggest Henderson fan not at all, all. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure if Fabinho has a natural replacement. You know, uh, I'm told Fabio Carvalho can play every, every, yeah. anywhere. I think Keita's in a, in a contractual situation. Maybe he'll be more Harvey motivated. Elliott came on. So who? Harvey Elliott. Harvey, Harvey Elliott's sit again. I mean, again, with Harvey Elliott, I like seeing him. I love his attitude. He's a guy who was a forward most of his life, right? Yeah. A winger. And yeah. then, but it's fine. You can get reconverted. Trent got reconverted, right? So that's fine. Um, but then it just feels like there is a bit of a drop. Mm. Uh, and I'll be really curious to see how they deal with it during the season. I'd love to know their mindset. Maybe he's just... I, I know you've watched Fabio Carvalho. I know yeah, he yeah, can yeah. play anywhere. Can he play midfield? I, is it a Harvey Elliott situation? Yeah, but he's going to need a bit of time. Uh, he's not ready to play now for a team like that in midfield, that's for Can, sure. Is Curtis Jones about to be back, go back to being the player? We, every summer be. we say the same thing because we love him a lot. So we hope, yeah, we hope. The, the, you, know, you pull it a thread and that yeah. might be the only sort of evident potential weakness that, uh, that I can see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for City, I didn't give you much time, but I'm sure you've thought about this. I, I still think that you know, defensively, there would be there would be gaps, there would be holes to pick from opposition, especially a team like Liverpool who can hit you so quickly on the counter attack, and that's where they're vulnerable. Is that with the ball they are amazing, and they will score a ton of goals and everything. But when they lose it, as we saw by Liverpool, and if if you've got players who can play in quick transition forward, they will struggle. Cancelo will struggle. Walker has the pace to recover pretty much everything, but I'm not sure about Diaz. Laporte and Ake Stones at the four centre-backs, again, how well they would do with a super high line. And, and I think that, that could be... That could be and this is about the defenders. This isn't something you're going to solve by yeah, saying, yeah. oh, look, let me play Calvin Phillips with Rodri. No, exactly. And then there's two of them. Because it's yeah. not about no. stopping them. It's not about shielding the, the, the defence. Yeah, 
And it's another attacking Maidin team anyway. So they will Could we away. see three at the back as, I don't think so. as an option? I don't think so. I don't think so. It'd be interesting to see what Cucurella brings. I think he can... If, if Cucurella can, comes. If, if Cucurella comes, then because he played as a third centre-back with Brighton last season, I think he can offer you a hybrid back four, back three maybe. Or Sokin Kawalker. Sokin Kawalker, to be fair. Uh, and, then, and then you play... You know, you can play Cancelo as well. And you can... Yeah, it's interest, it'd be interesting, but I think that's where... That's I, where it could be an issue. I think, and this is a theme that we're going to talk about more, and I'm not going to get into it, it's just a little foreshadowing, but do you know what the average age, according to the uh, reference website I looked at, uh, of Manchester City is? No. 27.3. Okay. Which feels a little high. Um, and I'm wondering if, I mean, obviously they, they do want to go young. It's not an aging team by any stretch, no. right? But I think a year from now, that's going to be a big summer where we're going to start necessarily seeing if Pep sticks around, and I assume he will, you know, this team get younger or start to, you know, obviously Sterling leaving, I think, is, is, is a part of that too. Yeah. Trying to get more of that younger talent, trying to get a little bit younger. They're not old yet, but you are in that situation where Bernardo Silva is approaching his late 20s, Mares is, is the wrong side yeah. of 30, um, De Bruyne is the wrong side of 30. Walker. Yeah, you're moving in that direction. So yeah. it is something, I think, that they start to think about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Community Shield from the King Power Stadium. Uh, how about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. England win the Women's European Championships, Woo! beating Germany 2-1 in extra time. Jules, were they winners? That's a good question, Gav. There certainly there was a lot of controversy, I thought, in that final. I think Germany, at times, were the better side, too. But England were, were very strong mentally, I thought. They were very clinical in the way they took their chances, especially the... The first one, and what brought back Kira Walsh, by the way, they were, they were good, they were strong, the togetherness, tactically, didn't really make any mistakes. Then they rode their luck a little bit, of course, you know, with the referee, a couple of decisions, with some of the Germany's attacks, because I thought Germany build-up was really impressive at times. Germany yeah, fluffed yeah, several chances, of course, hit the woodwork. I, I think, yeah. if we look over the course of the tournament, rather than the final, um, I think England... Definitely. From from what I saw, and you saw more of the tournament than I did. Yeah, yeah, no, I, no. I, I mean, I'm heavily influenced by the fact that, well, it's Germany. But also, the Spain game, when Germany played Spain, where 
in the group stage, and maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But, you know, Spain without their two best players, I thought, bossed Germany. We'll say this. Germany, very uh, unlucky. Lost one of their best players through COVID, whose name escapes me right now. Buell, yeah, I Buell, think it is. Yeah, yeah, and then, uh, obviously, having nice. the issue with Pop in, yeah. in the final, uh, you know, not able to play. There was just everything going England's way, England's way, from the injuries to Germany to the fact that they have the best manager ever, maybe the best quarter of player ever. So... In the end, it's you know, finally, it was always going to come home at some point. It's great that it's the the women team that's not home. It's not home. Football belongs to the world. It's great that the women team brings it home before the men. That's for sure. This is the only the second major trophy for England, Gab. Of course, as we know, men or women. Uh, and like the last one in 1966, it came against Germany. And like the last one in 1966, it was at Wembley. It was at Wembley, and at least according to German media, it comes with controversy. Yeah, they're not, the, happy. they're not happy at all. The German coach, Martina Voss Tecklenburg, uh, had major, major issue with what she thought was a handball penalty. Uh, Leah Williamson in the yeah. first half. Uh, VA, there was VAR in this game. The referee didn't call it. VAR, we know, looks at it because they look at every gold mouse incident, but they decided there wasn't enough evidence to award mm-hmm. the penalty. Now, you I, look, and the reason I'm bringing this up, I just want to make this very clear. Like, I, I don't like people who patronize women's football. I, I don't cover it. I am happy to defer to experts. That's why we have people like, like Sophie on. Yeah, yeah. But if, I think it should be covered the way we cover the men's game. Yeah. And if this was a men's final, we would be talking about this endlessly. And Germany would be talking about it endlessly. And they are talking about it endlessly. Yeah. So what's your, what's your verdict on this? I, I still think that the ball rolls over Williamson's his shoulder and then the arm and her arm is up. So I think it could have been given. And if it's given the first time by the referee, it's not overruled by VR yeah. in the same way that it's not given and VR we're not going to give it either. I, I think it's that. I, I think, you know, the VAR, enough evidence to overturn. You could look at it and say the, the elements are there because our arm is in a natural position. Uh, also, the ball's going in the net. I know Ellen White is, is nearby, but yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. So Probably. take a look at it. It's something that kind of you don't want to gloss over because it's a big issue in Germany. Yeah, we're, yeah. In, we're in England, right? Nobody's talking about it. A few are talking about it, but they are very angry. And it is something that dominates debate. Mm. Meanwhile, Joel, South America crowned their women's champion as well, with Ooh, Brazil well beating host Colombia. 1-0. Yeah, 1-0, and Colombia put a good fight, to be fair, in that final. It's the eighth Copa America that they won in, in nine editions. So clearly Brazil confirming their domination, which is not new, on South American football for the women's game. But it's good for them. And, you know, this is, there's a World Cup coming up where they need to shine. They haven't, they haven't for a while. So it's, it's, it's a good preparation, even if we're not really sure exactly when that World Cup is going to be, if it's going to be postponed or not. But certainly, it's a really good thing. So well done to Brazil. 25,000 people there. I thought, yeah. good crowd. For really the good crowd again. And Gab, the growth of the women's uh, professional game has been evident in the last few years, as we saw as well in the Euros and in the Copa America. So what happens next now? You know, it's one of my favorite arguments. Um, look, I think it's great that the club game is growing. And at the highest level, you have elite women who, who have access to super pro, professional facilities. I think at the same time, yeah. We have to think of the base of the pyramid. Right now, the countries that are dominating women's football are the countries that have the most money. Yeah. Whether it's the U.S. with Title IX in, 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 well, in, in college sports and universities, whether it's the European countries, they are, I think it's, it's something like one-fifth to one-fourth of federations around the world who don't even have uh, an elite women's program. 
uh, and further down the pyramid. You know, it's great. We have a professional league with these many teams. Great, subsidized by, by, by men's clubs in many cases. In others, it's, it's standalone. But what happens further down, down the pyramid? You know, what happens semi-pro women? Can they get, you know, women's health issues, insurance? All these things, I think, are important. And we have to look at what generates revenue. One thing that we know generates revenue, because we've seen it again, is international women's football. Yeah. Bayern win the German Super Cup, beating Leipzig 5-3. But Jules, as the cliche goes, <laughs> this was a game of two halves. It was, although the second half, maybe depending a lot on the first half, in the sense that Bayern was so dominant and so in the lead. That so said, yeah, let's stop playing. No, Leipzig not stop playing, but maybe... Ah, they... Domenico Tedesco, <laughs> what is that? No, but they took the eye of the ball maybe a little bit earlier, even at... You know, the, 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 the last two goals for Leipzig were quite late in the yeah, game anyway. So it was 3-1, 4-1. But it was 4-3 three. Three and then yeah, they could have equalised. Yeah, they could yeah. have equalised, I guess. But, but defensively, we knew there's still a lot of work to do. The left came, came on quite late, I think only for the last 15 yeah. minutes. Pavard had a bit of a Pavard, even though he Pavard, scored. Pavard, although he scored, but yeah. And the back three, kind of a back four thing here, a bit strange. So let's see, let's see how they go. But it was a problem last season. Let's see if it's a problem this season again. By the way, Sadio Mane... Uh, oh. I'm not saying people are going to be saying Robert who, but he but, did his part. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we've been saying it. He can play in that position and do well. And late in the game, Gab, we saw something which was either accidental or pure evil genius from Danny Olmo. Tell us more. Yeah, so basically there was a player down. Alfonso and, Davis, yeah. And Alfonso Davis was down. And so the, but they, they put the ball out of play. And essentially he goes up right up to the touchline. And he stops the ball. Well, it's not actually out of play. It's right on the touchline. But Bayern, your boy Lucas Hernandez, yeah. not paying attention, thinking, yeah, the ball's got out of play. Let me take a free kick. Oh, sorry, let me take a throw in. He goes over, picks the ball up, and obviously, German assistant referee. Are you he was waiting. He was ready. Like, the like, lineman was ready. <laughs> and so they end up getting uh, a free kick in a, in, a, in a very attacking position, yeah. which I thought, I can't. I, I, they, Danny, if you're you watching, surely por favor. Tell he us. Knew, tell us. Yeah, I can tell you it was he meant to do It's that. funny because Stevie and Frank on the show last night were like, ah, oh, no way he'd be that clever. Of course he is. That's Maybe why. he's just speaking for themselves. I yeah, don't know. exactly. Sticking with Bayern, they've hit back at Robert Lewandowski or Hubert Lewandowski. What? Actually, he's not that anymore because he's in, he's in Catalonia now. Yes, yeah, so I need means. to come up with a Catalan accent for this. <laughs> uh, for suggesting in an interview that he did with our ESPN colleagues, that somebody at the club did not tell him the truth. What's he talking about? It's the usual, uh, you know, post-transfer sort of uh, saga in the sense that Lewandowski said, you know, they, they, didn't, they were not fair with me, I think this is that word he used or something like that. And Bayern said, hang on a minute, well, we wanted to keep you and then, you know, we, we, we find a replacement in Sergio Mane and we sold you. It's like back and forth that we usually have, don't we, in transfers mm, like that. To a so point, like, to a point, because, I mean, Herbert Heiner said... And this is it. It was great when it lasted, and now they can move on. I, I'm going to give Lewandowski the benefit of the doubt here. I think the reason he wanted to come out and say this in the way he did was I think he cares about the eight years that he had there. Yeah, And he sure. wanted to send a message to the fans, say, guys, it wasn't me agitating, it was them not being truthful as well, right? Yeah. I, all these things coming together, but, hey... Yeah. It is what it is. And yeah, Lewandowski, new club Barcelona, have supposedly given Frankie de Jong another ultimatum. They want him to accept the move to Manchester United, but they don't have that much leverage, do they? No, they have zero leverage because the man has a contract. I, yeah. I have to laugh when they say, like, oh, yeah, these are your alternatives. Either take a big pay cut or move to Manchester United. <laughs> and he's like, he sits there and he says, hey, look, I got a contract, I got lawyers. You know, it's as simple as that. I, I think at some point, 
you see, obviously, there's an issue with, with, with deferred wages, which are owed to him. I'm sure United can, will make up that amount. But yeah. ultimately, it's not a great look for, for anybody involved. And ultimately, you know, if you're, if you're United, I, I, you know, I think back to something Sir Alex Ferguson told me that he likes to tell players. Like, the money will come to you if you wait. Don't make it yeah. about the money. So you would hope United could go to De Jong and say, like, dude, like, just come over here. Accept what it is. <laughs> We'll give you what we can now. You do well. We sign another contract, and the money will come but to you. But if you're United, he clearly doesn't want to go. Otherwise, he would have gone already, right? I don't know if he doesn't want to go or if he just wants to get paid. I, I, I don't I pay the money also, which, again, is legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is legit. Again, oh, and by the way, this one. did you like the stories? Uh, like, I, I love something that Catalan media like say, oh, yeah, oh. they need to move the young so that they can sign Bernardo Silva. <laughs> like, yeah, because Bernardo Silva, hey, maybe they will sign <laughs> Bernardo Silva, but, like... Uh, hello? <laughs> Whatever. Speaking of United, and I suspect we'll be talking about this Ooh. weekly, how about Cristiano Ronaldo's early exit from the friendly against Rayo Vallecano? Yeah, I mean, he played the first 45 minutes. This was his, he, he hardly trained with them before, never played in preseason because he was exempted from the tour on family reasons. Come, has no shot on target, missed a big chance. Then he's coming off at half-time. Ahmad Diallo comes in for him. And then he leaves before the end with Diogo Dalla, before the end of the game, when Ten Hag has clearly asked all the players to be there for the last friendly before the season starts. Our Trafford as well in front of all the fans. It's not a good look. Maybe, maybe he was allowed to go. I don't know. The, well, club, hasn't, the club hasn't responded to any of the requests that's from the different thing. media. If he was so allowed to go, then the upset. club would kill it and just say, like, yeah, it's basically exactly. no commenting. It's not a good look. Even if he wants commenting. to leave so badly, it's not a good look, right? Look, I think in the end, it's mutually beneficial if he leaves. It's a question of tweaking the terms, finding the right amount. Um, United, I think, mm. would necessarily have to let him go on a free, whether on loan or on a permanent move. And I think he's going to have to take next mo- less money at his next club. And I, I see no other else. solution. They need, they need a replacement as well. So. And they, they need to start thinking about a replacement, too, because, uh, you guys, even if he stays, it's Martial and Rashford right yeah, now. Right? Exactly. Rashford expiring contract. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Charles de Ketelet is expected to arrive in Milan today. Is he what they need, Gav? They're so excited oh, for this I love guy. Him so, so sweet. It's such a so single-minded pursuit. By the way, he had a bit of a De Jong situation with unpaid wages, deferred yeah. wages as well. Um, yeah, I think they need somebody in that he role. Would be amazing for them. I, I know you're very, you're very high I'm on a him. Big and fan. Big fan. If it's the if it's the profile. Yeah. Sorry to leave it so late in the it's show, okay. Jules, but Paris Saint-Germain stop all over Nantes. Yeah. Super Cup, which is called the Trophée de Champion. Trophée de Champion. Yeah, what are non-champion of? The champion of the cup. 
Okay. Okay. Just checking, just checking. Champions of the Cup. But both Lionel Messi and especially Neymar in fuego. Oh, in fuego. This means that they don't really need Mbappe (laughs) who didn't play. Well, he was suspended because of uh, yellow cards at the end of the uh, the last season, the the Ligue 1 season. But it was so good to see the the, um, the 3-4-2-1, if you want. Uh, with Sarabia replacing Mbappé, that worked really well. Messi was on fire, he was so good. Neymar, great free kick after missing his previous 41 or 47, I think it was. Um, the movement was great. It was, it was all very promising for the first game. I know it's only Nantes and it's only the Trophée des Champions. But and the Sergio Ramos back here. Oh, Showtime and the Veracruz pass before that. Come on, man. Amazing. It was really good. Thomas Tuchel says that right now Chelsea aren't ready for the start of the Premier League season. He's really worried. But that hopefully they will be in a week's time. Is he just being honest, Gab? Yeah, he's just being honest. It's, 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 he's it's, worried, though. It's, it's factual. They lose out on Jules Kounde. Yeah, he should be worried. They have two older central defenders. Maybe they'll go for Fofana. Maybe they won't. Uh, maybe they'll be able to get him. I mean, if it's seventy million, I, mean, I, th- I, th- I think Leicester, you gotta let him go. I mean, I think it's it's it's, it's, it's madness. But, but they didn't want to put the money on for Kimpembe. Let's see if they do it for Fofana. Ah, uh, I gotta wonder too who's running the show there. Is it is really interim sporting director Todd Bowley? It is. Um, that's not a good way to go into no. the season. And they gotta sell a lot of players too, as I see it. Yeah. Juventus had high hopes for the season, but the injury to Paul Pogba was oh, a hammer man. blow. He's a very tough decision ahead. Yeah, it's an injury, which is bad. He looked good on t- training from what we saw. And then that's, that's a huge blow for him. He might not make the World Cup. We're not really sure exactly when he could be back, 2023. It depends when he, before whether he has his injury. surgery. Yeah, surgery and, and if, if he gets surgery or not on that knee. It's a real shame because he was so excited and so happy to be back. And this is a huge blow. And, you know, in terms of injury, we said, it's been a long, long list lately. Really Blow for France, too. Yeah. Your boy, Carlo Ancelotti Gab, has described his midfield trio of Tony Cruz, Casemiro and Luka Modric as the Bermuda Triangle. Do you get what he means? It's, Wait, not, it's, it's not really like a good thing, the Bermuda Triangle, right? Well, no, because the ball goes in yeah. there and it disappears. Oh, no, exactly. It's like, like, I love it because it's open to so many <laughs> interpretations. <laughs> it's also very much an old school reference. They did For younger listeners who don't know, it's the yeah. triangle between Miami, Bermuda, and some other place in the Caribbean, which yeah. I don't know about, uh, where boats would disappear, radar wouldn't work. Planes as well, yeah. Uh, it could mean anything, but I like the fact that he's got... I wonder what the next triangle is going to be, uh, the uh, the Valverde, Chouameni, Camavinga triangle. <laughs> what triangle is that? <laughs> I'm feeling generous because I'm so psyched to see you again after the holiday, ah. Jules. Uh, so how about I let you gloat about Arsenal, <laughs> who spent, they spent another, a ton of money this summer... Just as they did last summer, by the way. Yeah. Uh, no more calling Mr. Conkey cheap or whatever because no, 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 no. they're chucking money at this. And they destroyed Sevilla 6 0 in the very prestigious, very prestigious. Emirates Cup. Uh, it was a good performance. Good. It was a really good performance. Sevilla are not as fit because obviously La Liga starts later, so this is a bit normal. But it was good to see them. Playing like that, attacking like that, for what should be the starting lineup for the, the the game on Friday against Crystal Palace, they were good. Gabriel Jesus scored again. He's been on fire in this in this in this preseason. Clearly settling in very well into the team, and and you could see what they're trying to do. So it's promising. But again, it's only a friendly. Okay. I'm going to make it very easy for you. Not hold you to this. Percent chance Arsenal play in the Champions League next season. I really see it. 
33% chance. Same as United and same as Chelsea. For me, they're all on the same level. And so Spurs have 100% chance in your book? Yeah, uh, yeah, they finished they finish top three. <laughs> all right. Spurs finish third, and then City or Liverpool, whoever right. you fancy, finish third. Interesting, interesting. interesting. You know, Gabunay Emery showed his spiky side and his finger on his return to London. Are you okay with that? Totally. I, I oh, saw the video no. of this, right? right? He's there and like he's signing autographs outside Team Boss. Somebody Off the bus, yeah. And somebody says, hey, hey, like you can hear like, oh, God, say good evening. Oh, say that. Blah, 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 I know, they're right? mocking him. Yeah, they're probably making fun of him. And look, I think Unai Emery is a complicated character. Um, but yeah, I think he, he showed the finger, which is an obscene gesture, which I would ordinarily not approve of. But he's also kind of laughing when he does it. Yeah. But people took it, well, nobody got offended. Let's grow up it's and let's fine. move on. It's fine. Ruud van Nistelrooy's PSV Eindhoven win the Dutch Super Cup, yeah. beating Ajax 5-3. I guess Eric Ten Hag's orphans already miss him, huh? Well, I don't know if they do, though. Maybe if they're not, just not as fit, again, as ready as, as PSV, who obviously start their season earlier because they've got the Champions League, um, you know, playoffs and qualifiers. So they have to be fit earlier, maybe, than Ajax, who don't have to play those games. Uh, and that's why they look, they look really good. They look really sharp, to be fair. And Alfred Schroeder for his first game as a, as a new Ajax manager to replace Ten Hag as well. Not the start that he would have liked. But again, there's a long season to come. And, and at times, this Ajax team still look great. So, so I don't think it's too bad. Even if you lose a trophy, that would have been you know, good on the, um, on the mantelpiece if you're Albert Schroeder. But Alfred Schroeder. So. Gab, Gianluca Scamacca left Italy to join West Ham a week ago. And now another plus-sized young Italian striker. Alessandro Luca is also going abroad. Yeah, so I, I thought this is neat because Luca's, I don't think he's ever played in Serie A. He was at Pisa on yeah. last season, very young. Ajax obviously looking to replace Sebastian Allaire. Uh, they're going for young players. And it's just such a new it's thing for those of us in Italy to have young or young strikers going abroad. Yeah. Uh, although weirdly, Scamacca spent, Scamacca had like a sort of a complicated uh, development. So he spent time at Pex Volet many years ago when he was very young. His English young. is decent, I thought. Uh, for an Italian, yeah, surprisingly good. So did Graziano Pelle, talking yeah. about giant Italian strikers. Wow. But this dude's really tall. He's like more than two meters. He's like six, so he's, he's like, he's like Peter Crouch size. I am so curious to see, to how, he see how he develops. Mm. Honestly, I don't know who's advising him. I mean, he's played a few times in the under 21s. I'm not going to vouch and say that he's the next big thing, but whoever's advising him says like, hey, football's changing. Let's develop. If you stay in Italy, you know, you're going to become Pina Monti and you'll, you're going to continue being loaned out to a bunch of crappy teams and you'll play back to gold and set pieces. At Ajax, yeah. who knows what you're going to do? Learn a different football, exactly. learn a different language, educate yourself. It's a big wide world out there. It's good. And what I really care about, it's good for the Italian national team exactly. too. Exactly. Let's keep the Ajax team <laughs> going, shall we? <laughs> Benny Mack. Oh, Benny McCarthy, the legendary Benny McCarthy, has joined West Ham United as an assistant coach to Eric Ten Hag. I did not see this coming. No, Manchester United even, not West Ham United. But yeah, as a striker coach, it would be, you know, which I, I love. I mean, I love a striker coach. I think you should have strike, uh, coaches for all the different positions and stuff. And I think it's better when it's Benny McCarthy actually teaching the strikers or, you know, helping the strikers or coaching the strikers than when it's Phil Neville. Remember when Phil Neville was trying to tell Robin Van Persie how to position himself and how to shoot? And I think, you know, Robin, uh, you can just imagine what Robin told him. So, welcome, Benny McCarthy, to, you know, to, um, 
to England and to Manchester United. And by the way, if you're a Benny McCarthy fan, as, as I am, uh, our old pal Graham Hunter did a very long interview with him, which is just a fantastic listen. He's one of the more no, Grace, interesting yeah, people out there, uh, without a doubt. The hype meter of Roma is dialed up to 12. Gab, not only did they beat Spurs in a preseason friendly, uh, but after adding Paulo Dybala, Jose Mourinho is looking to add Gini Wijnaldum and Andrea Berletti too to the squad. Gab, if Dybala's unveiling is anything to go by, Roma fans can't contempt themselves. What incredible scenes. What, yeah. 15,000 they were? If you haven't seen the video, this is, this is unbelievable. I mean, uh, just <laughs> getting all these people together, singing songs and stuff. In the middle of a hot summer in Rome, oh, and wow. everybody in Rome, just, um, they're all down at the beach. They're all down in like Nettuno, Fregene, Ostia, <laughs> places like that where like the more working class Romans go and then yeah. the posher ones go further afield. Uh, no, they all come back to do what? To watch to Paolo sing. Dybala. Not to Lionel sing. Messi, not Cristiano. To watch Paolo Dybala walk out of a building. They filmed it. It looks so God. cool. Listen, uh, we've been critical Mourinho, whatever the yeah. football. Look. They've improved by one point in the league and one point in the, um, in, in the standings, or, or one place in the standings. Last year, they reached the, the year before, they reached the Europa League semifinals. Uh, this year, they won the Europa Conference League. You could almost say they're maybe yeah, a quarter. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? None of it matters. What matters, and, and this is what I'm starting to understand about Mourinho, what matters is getting buy-in, getting people G'd up, getting people excited. Because once people believe they can go and achieve more. And he's certainly done all that. Yeah. Uh, let's see what he does. But, but by the way, attacking trio, Dybala, Abraham Zaniolo, uh, the Daz. Daz. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> now, we thought Bordeaux were headed to the third yeah. tier for financial irregularities. We were wrong. Oh, Somebody just, showed the mercy. They were saved. You know, in French, we have an expression when you save by literally the skin of your bottom. I don't know if in English it works. But this is what happened. Literally, they were saved at the last minute by the, almost the last appeal that they, they could go to. Well, like Macron himself saying, no. Not really. Not Macron, but the, uh, <laughs> the whole region, the Gironde and the MP for the area, or everybody getting together. Uh, and Gerard Lopez somehow managing to save them. They start in league. He's a charmer. He charms. They, they drew their first game in in a, in front of a sellout uh, crowd at the uh, the uh, the Stadium. So amazing. I don't know. I don't know how well they will do because they could not really sign anyone and things like that. But at least they're in the second division with a chance to go straight back up. How, how, do, how do they do it? Did somebody who was supposed to replace them in the second division say, ah, sorry, guys, or did you do the Italian so no thing? One, no one we've was done this replace in the past them. in Italy, you know what we did? Like, we just added a team. So we'd have like 21 <laughs> teams in Serie B or whatever. No, no one was going to replace them in the second division, basically. So you would have a second division with an odd number of teams? Yeah, yeah. Why? Because <laughs> well, I think there was always, I mean, that might have changed if it had been confirmed that they were going down to the third division. And they found a way with the, uh, the investment fund, so Fortress and King Street, to change the, the, the way the debt was structured and all of that. I don't know exactly what they did. And I think Gerard Lopez himself put more money in, his own money. But I guess the most important for them, for the fans, and it's a historical club, you know, you want to see right. that in Ligue 2, so, you know. By the way, or, I watched the Anna Delvey film on, on Netflix, and I believe Fortress were the people who funded the Anna Delvey. I'll do that. And, yeah, and Bordeaux as well. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How to pick winners. Two things. Exactly. Nah, I'm kidding. We kid. We kid because we love Fortress. 
Chile have found another appeal with FIFA over Ecuador and Baron Castillo. Remember that story that we told you a few shows ago? They said that they've got evidence that he's Colombian and not Ecuadorian, and that both he and the Ecuadorian Federation admitted, admitted this in 2016 and 2018, respectively. What's going to happen? They're going to lose all also, the games that he played in? I, they say they also have evidence that he does not have a brother named Byron Castillo <laughs> with the same name, what but spelled differently. Uh, oh, my word. Look, I think FIFA are in a tough spot because you can apply the letter of the law and then, it, yeah, it becomes entirely possible. FIFA would want this to go away, but they come out with so much evidence. There is precedent. To me, it would seem weird and cruel on the balance of the impact that Byron yeah. Castillo had. On the other hand, laws are laws. You field an ineligible player, especially if you do so knowing. I mean, if they can prove that the Ecuadorian FA knows, knew that his papers were falsified, uh, wow. I think they're in serious yeah. trouble. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, FIFA would rather not be dealing with this, but they have to deal with it in double quick time. Terribly sad story, meanwhile, involving Sebastian Aller, newly arrived at Borussia Dortmund, Jules. Yeah, that's right, Gab. They detected uh, testicular cancer, is that right? Yeah. tumour. Uh, after he signed for the club from Ajax uh, during the preseason, he would be out for at least two months, three months. They don't really know exactly, to be fair. We'll see how the treatment goes. He would get, he's got the full support, of course, of the club, and they said he's going to get the best treatment. But it's such a shock when you, when you think you're healthy and you yeah. sign in a new club and you're so excited, and then suddenly that happens, where it's, uh, especially with a, such a difficult um, illness as well. It's, it's crazy, so we wish him the best and it's as quick as possible a recovery and hope to see him on the pitch at some point in the, the future. This is something that strikes close to home for me. My old uh, colleague and, 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 and friend, Jason Cundy, former yeah. longtime Chelsea defender, also been through this. Uh, if you are a man who has testicles, uh, please have them checked out yeah, regularly. Definitely. It's, it's common sense because this can strike anybody. It's not an age thing. Yeah. UEFA have opened an investigation into the behaviour of supporters in the Champions League qualifiers between Fenerbahce and Dinamo Kiev. What is this all about, Gav? Fenerbahce fans allegedly singing songs about how much they love Vladimir Putin. It's obviously linked to do, to do with, the, with the invasion of, of Ukraine and stuff like that. I don't think, and obviously there's, well, there's bans on discriminatory behaviour and there's bans on taking political issues. I don't think you treat this as a political thing. I don't think Fenerbahce fans are Putin loyalists or, you know, people who work for Russia today. Uh, I think they're simply trying to wind them up. Yeah. I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think you joke around. It's not really, yeah, you joke exactly. around with it's war when nice. people are dying. And it's by the way, nice. it's not nice. by the way, this applies to the other side. If Russia were allowed to compete, people, winding people up that way on the other side would be just as wrong, too. So um, I think they need to crack down yeah. on this. Definitely. Brighton are reportedly continuing to demand £50 million for Mark Kukurea, and reportedly Manchester City are willing to walk away. They say, no, we got this price yeah. for him. Makes sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense that £50 million is a lot. It's too much money for Kukurea. I think they bought him for £18 million. That was the release clause at the time. Yeah, this doesn't matter what they bought him for. There was a release clause. No, no, I know. I know. What's he worth now? No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying 18 to 50 that's a huge profit that Brighton would make. I think 40 is his value right now, at, at best. I, I love this idea, though, that I, I would love clubs to be more disciplined about this, not fall in love I with know, players. Say, but Manchester City, whatever value you put on him, if, if, you, if you think he's worth 30 million or 40 million, you go to that level, and if it goes beyond that, you walk away. Same thing with Brighton. This is your value? No, of course. If you, if you, listen, like, if, you say, if, you say, if you put 50 million on him, you are saying 
that he is worth $49.9 million to Brighton if he stays. That is how much he adds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why you say $50 million. Yeah, it's a poker game, but yeah, I think it's a deal. Luis Suarez, as a new club, is going back to where he made his debut at Nacional in Montevideo. That's such a lovely story. It's a good story. Obviously, he's bounced around, and he kind of drew it out, but he says, look, I'm home and everything. What I like about this and what I was told was Luis Suarez obviously had offered some an opportunity to go yeah. to MLS. One of the reasons he, t- he chose Nacional was, and I think this could be an issue for people like Gareth Bale, for example, um, who, who went to MLS, is he, he says, well, when does the MLS season end? Because MLS season will be ending yeah. earlier, and if he signs from MLS clubs that doesn't make the playoffs or that gets knocked out early, he's going to kind of have like, like a whole month without football before the, the start of the season. And yeah. no, he wants to be sharp because he wants to make the World Cup count, which... Yeah. Good for him. Good for Luis Suarez doing a bit of homework, unlike a lot of players who just kind of parachute into (laughs) MLS, like somebody I could name, but I won't. I'll save that story for another time. Brazil won the FIFA eSports World Cup. Are you impressed, Jules? And then will this have any bearing on what might happen in Qatar? Well, yeah, it's a bad omen because I've checked and every time, every time a country <laughs> win the eSports World Cup, then the, the country, the same country, lose in the, don't win the World Cup. Ah, see? I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, know, if, I, I don't know if I'm impressed or not. Yeah, well done to them. They're very good at video games in Brazil as well. Uh, and I don't think that will have any sort of impact on what happens in Qatar for in the, in the real football World Cup. I don't know, but I guess it's, it's a good thing for them. I don't know. Okay. Not an esports guy at no. all. Uh, but I, I believe they did this under, this was like the last esports World Cup under the, the Oh, yeah, the name, of course. Yeah, 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 the uh, yeah. Really interesting to see. I know. Are they going to do this again? They'll have an esports World Cup playing some other video game? I don't uh, know. No, interesting. Tough death for Bayer Leverkusen, Gav, as they knocked out of the German Cup in the first round by third division side, Eversberg. Yeah, it's with it's the a, big team. It was the big Bayer Leverkusen team. It's not like they played the kid. It was a big, and it was crazy. I think it was, it was a four-three yeah, in the yeah, end. Um, you know, this was a trophy where they thought going into the season, you know, we had a shot to do it. Yeah. Um, I think my man Rico Suave Gerardo is going to have some things to figure <laughs> out. Um, it is kind of it, it, it does tell you how like the the cup matters early on. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, because now it's kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. so our season's going to be defined by Pressure. Europe and can we make the Champions League? And, you know, they, then they haven't brought anybody in, but they haven't really sold anybody. No, That's they hung true. on to their stars. So they were hoping to make that leap forward. Somebody named Paul Stratton came on for Everton to score a penalty oh. in their friendly against Dinamo Kiev. Jules, why do we love this story? We love this story, Gad, because Paul Stratton is a, is a fan, a long-life Everton fan, uh, who came on, as you said, to take a penalty and score it, by the way, and celebrate in front of the, of the fans as a reward because of all the great charity work he did for Ukraine and the people of Ukraine with his like, minivan or bus to go and, and deliver food and, and all sorts of other things to... He, he would stand at the Polish bar, border, yeah, on the border with chocolate and just give chocolate to people Amazing. who come through. And then I think it's an incredible story, an incredible reward, reward to him, well-deserved, by the way, well done. I guess his dream is to... You know, sometimes at the end of the season, you, you get to play on the pitch, and you, right, but right. it's an empty stadium. This one, he was full, Goodison was full, and... And he got the ovation that he deserved. So well done, Paul, and well done the club and Frank Lampard for allowing it. And Dinamo yeah, Kiev. Really well. nice touch from everybody. Very, very, very nice. And we have a winner, Gab, in the Wagatha Christie case. And 
It's not Rebecca Cavardi. No, no, it's not. What a shock. What a shock. No, um, look, this whole thing has been an absolute freak show. Amazing. Part of me says I don't want to mock it because obviously one of the people involved, Rebecca Vardy's uh, PR assistant, supposedly had, you know, she's had mental health issues or whatever. Yeah, I think they're a result of some of the bad stuff yeah. that happened under her watch. For sure. So you had levels of sympathy and whatever. I hate the fact that Colleen Rooney was, was, was kind of forced to go through all this. And I think she was very wise when she said, you know what? Like, Rebecca Vardy said she's not going to appeal. I mean, Colleen Rooney said, this is kind of a big waste of money. Mm. And it was. The only people who made money off this is us who talk about it. Yeah. And lawyers, my favorite people in the world, money, who got right? involved in this. Yeah. This was a waste of time and money, but I think it had to be done. And let's move on. Yeah. Hopefully better and better. But Jules... <laughs> Hi, guys. We got to, we're going to come back on Thursday. This and we're going to do this all season. over again. Because yes. the season's starting. The Bundesliga is starting. The Premier League is starting. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. <laughs> <laughs>